I'm doing fantastic. I, I, first of all, it's been a while since I've heard that open. I've, I, I'm not going to say I forgot about it. Of course, I didn't forget about it, but it was pretty sweet to listen to. I yeah. like this. Uh, I, I like listening to that. It puts me in a good mood. That's well, for sure. Let, let's start with a belated happy birthday. We wanted to bring oh. you on on your birthday, but you, yes. you got just smashed with jet lag, so you were unable to make it. But happy belated birthday. I, hey, listen, I appreciate that. I'm going to be honest with you guys, too. Now, yes, I was dealing with some jet lag, but I was you know fresh off the plane from Australia you know, a couple of days. I mean, look, it was a good five days after, right? But I just, I was, I was nervous. I, I, I didn't want to get on. I didn't want to mess up on the radio for some reason. I'm nervous. sitting there for the week. Yeah, and and Mike Left goes, like, "Hey, listen, who's not? He's at some wedding or something, isn't he? This week? I yeah. don't know. Yeah, yeah. So he, he's he's reached out, and said, "Hey, do you want to jump on?" And I was like, "I'm not ready. I'm just not ready to." To uh, get on the radio, I don't know what it was. I was a little bit, a little bit nervous. coming back from Australia, trying to transition back to the USA, and and yeah, but here I am. I'm yeah. ready to roll. Accents a little thicker. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's. I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> I think. <laughs> We don't worry about people screwing up on this show, okay? I so, know, I know. You know, that's that. just you know, you just you want to you want to make sure you, you know, you're bringing something to the table. I just didn't feel like I was going to add any value to your show, so I was like, you know what? Let's let's put it back a week. <laughs> you always are valuable. Just keep yeah. that in mind. You're always valuable. <laughs> uh, well, great, great to talk to you. And we are we're right around the corner from uh, spring training. It's going to be here before we know it. But let's talk about some of the moves that were made. And let's start with the most recent one first. As a pitcher, I'm just curious to get your your take on the acquisition of uh, reliever Gregory Santos, who you love his upside. You love it. He's a young guy, 24 years old. His first full season uh, this past season had had some elbow issue, but, you know, hard thrower, right-hander. The only question I have in this, Ryan, from your perspective is it feels like we gave up a version of him in Prelander Barroa where I'm, I'm just reading about these guys. They're both 99. They can hit triple digits. They got arm side movement. They both yeah. are you know, prelanders a little bit younger. So it feels like you just kind of traded away a version of him, understanding I'm not watching Santos every week. But what what did you think of what they gave up in addition to Barroa was Zach Deloche and his 69th uh, overall pick in this year's draft? Yeah, I think when you say it, like that, and when you talk about you know comparing him and Baroa, obviously Baroa's at a different stage in his career, but you know, and, and we can talk about this lineup and the moves they made here in a second with for the 2024 season, which to me seems a little bit more urgent than what uh, the one I was expecting, as opposed to getting all these you know, young players and, and what have you. But I think with first of all Gregory Santos just coming, I text Liam Hendricks who um, was you know on with the White Sox and, and watched this guy pitch a ton. And one thing Liam said was, first of all, stuff-wise, yeah, awesome. But he, he was on a team last year, let's not forget, and Liam admits this as well. He was on a White Sox team that was all over the map. When you talk about clubhouse chemistry, when you talk about leadership, you talk about you know, veterans down in, in that bullpen. Uh, Liam talked about some of the guys who he was around early. Um, and, and all of a sudden, he it's a guy with a ton of stuff, and he, he put together a good year. I think when you put that arm in the environment – 
hopefully that you have in Seattle, especially with the, the coaching staff, and a little bit more of a veteran presence, a little bit more of a, a urgency to win, a little bit more pressure. I, I think that he will thrive. I really do. And obviously – and talk about stuff all you want, and you can compare it to Prelander Baroa, but the Mariners front office, and every time they make a phone call, you know, on the daily when they're calling down to a double-A coach, triple-A coach, because, again, I've experienced this as a player and, and friends who now coach. You know, you look at Baroa and say, okay, yeah, projection. That's great. But there's obviously something they're really comfortable on giving up on him. Right. So I think that you're giving up a version. That, yeah, they, they seem same, the same on paper. But a guy like Santos, he's, he's obviously a little bit more, uh, you know, well-versed at this level. And, I'm not, and, and, and by the way, I'm not calling this off Baroa's time in Seattle. It wasn't great. You know, command issues. He's still trying to figure out that slider. And he may go on to be to bigger and better things. Who knows? But, man, you got an absolute weapon in the bullpen and and Liam Hendricks who is is a guy who doesn't speak very he's pretty honest and he doesn't doesn't has no need to hype this dude up he was like man it's it's impressive stuff wise it really is he was about to say he doesn't speak highly of anybody that's what well, he, he, <laughs> no, he's very blunt I'm, hey listen Liam Hendricks came with me right after the season I went down to real quick story so Liam came out to me there's a, there's a group of these Australian players who were at this college recruiting trip so I flew down to Arizona and they were, and yeah, they all want to meet Liam, his current player. They don't care about meeting me, uh, but but they want to meet him. But he's watching these kids pitch, and he's just flat out blunt with these kids, like, "Hey, man, you got to stop throwing a slider. Like, you don't throw hard enough." <laughs> I'm like, Dude, you're killing these kids, man. They're like 17. But but that's that. I'm telling you right now. He again, he has no reason to, you know, promote this guy, sell tickets whatsoever. And he was just like, "Man, he's electric. Wait till you see him throw. It's filthy." So that's a good sign. Hey, before we get into some of the free agent signings and where they they uh, sort of rate compared to the last couple of years, what about Ty France? Uh, I'm, I'm curious if you've heard anything about him, and he's a, a pretty big piece as far as his improvement goes this year. What uh, what have you heard about Ty France? How important do you think it is for him to have, you know, a, a big turnaround after last year? Yeah, well, he's been down the drive line down at Kent, uh, where you know Mookie Betts goes about once a month, checks in once a month. You've got Obviously, J.P. Crawford now basically lives there after his last winter, and he's the one who dragged Ty down into driveline and said, hey, listen, you've got to get on this program because they, they do amazing things, and they just, you know, they, they took the – J.P., with him and his, what he did last year, he basically said, took the guessing out of what was going on. How can I get stronger? How can I hit the ball further? You know, a good five mile – mile per hour exit velo another 20 feet on every ball he hit and so ty's been down there he's kind of committed to that and he, he's really bought in um you know getting in really good shape and they, they do amazing things so from the last i've heard it's been a situation where and and, and dave you, you can speak from this too you can have all the the gizmos and the silver bullet training programs if you don't buy into it if you go to some workout routine or some winter or for for us baseball players go into some winter situation with a coach it could be amazing and it could be great information. If you don't trust it, uh, it, it really doesn't matter. I think with Ty having J.P. Crawford there working out together this winter, it's huge, man. I think last year was a big, huge wake-up call for him. And I'm projecting to see 
you know, tie it back to what we saw. And that doesn't mean he's going to completely transform his game. I just think, and in his words too, that, that, you know, that mistake, that one mistake you get per at-bat and he fouls that pitch right back. And then there's just that, you know, overwhelming frustration. Man, now I'm in an 0-2 count. Now I'm in a 1-2 count every other at-bat. I think you're going to see less of that. I think he's going to be way more, have way more feel for what he's doing per at-bat. And I think he's going to get back to what we saw a couple of years ago. So I'm, I'm expecting big things. And, you know, I say this all the time. He was at the top of the lineup. He walked in every day towards the end of the year, and he's looking at the seven, eight, nine hole, and he just crushes your confidence. And so I think for his goal would just be like, you know what, I want to keep trickling back up this lineup as, as quick as I can because, man, I think he's a guy that can really you know, factor in looking at this lineup, even at the one, two, three spot, even though there's some, some, some new pieces there. Well, let, let's talk about the new pieces. It's, uh, you know, looking at what they've done this offseason and, and really, Ryan, coming to grips with the fact that ownership put the constraints on the, on their payroll this year. That's been made very clear. Uh, you know, Scott and Jerry basically saying we're doing the best with what we got. You know, yeah. so it's 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 out there. There there's some serious limitations, but considering that, I'm pretty optimistic about what they've done. Uh, the only caveat with three of their acquisitions is if healthy, if right. healthy, because you got <laughs> yeah, it, you got Mitch Garver who, when healthy, is very productive. We know about Mitch Haniger. We saw him healthy, 39 home runs, 100 runs driven in. Well, you know what he can do. And then the same with Jorge Polanco, which I, I love the addition of him. I love eliminating a, one of the four platoon spots you had on this team. Uh, but another guy you go, well, if healthy. So I, I'm trying to, to uh, I guess, you know, harness my excitement about it or, or my pessimism at the same time. I'm kind of caught in between. How do you feel about the, the pieces they brought in and how optimistic are you? Well, first of all, on the if healthy part, yeah, that that's a tough one for me too because, look, Mitch Hanniger, yeah, love the guy, love seeing him. Uh, it was a struggle when I saw him in the Giants uniform, but you know, twenty twenty three, he has an oblique injury coming out of spring training. Then he has a lower back issue, right? And then you've got um, you know Polanco with a hamstring. You're looking at these little injuries that are like, okay, is this something where this is going to be just a repeat factor as opposed to oh hey look he dislocated his shoulder you know sliding into a bag or he had Tommy John surgery something where it's like okay um, that really sucks but you know he's on the man and he's good to go is this and, and not to mention too Polanco being starting to get on the, on the wrong side of 30 as well so you look at some of those things you factor that in but I will say this going into this winter or, or a good month into it you know how it was, man. It was dark. I'm not going to lie. I mean, we're talking. <laughs> you know, all we heard about was like, oh, yeah, we can't really spend money. There's constraints, like you said, Bob, and everything else. And around the winter meetings, I was at the winter meetings, and you know, the first thing, you know, Justin Hollander, I said, hey, look, man, uh, I'm giving up Gino. Woo, you know, and he's like, payroll. Straight up, like he took him a split second to say payroll, and we all knew that. And so you look at this guy. Oh, here we go. So. As that has gone, that was in in December. Now we're into into February. From then on, you've looked. You've basically, and we've said this. Can they get creative with some of these moves? And it will. And I've said to you guys too. I said this at the end of the season. You're going to have to give up one of your babies, one of your fan favorites, one of, your, one of these pitchers. Well, guess what? They're all still here. You still got Logan. You still got George, Bryce Miller, Brian, Will, Luis Castillo in your, in your rotation. Yet you've picked up a Polanco who, by the way, man, everyone I've spoke to with the Twins was just – and look, the Twins were in this situation money-wise, especially they were given huge constraints. And so they had to cut payroll. Hey, we'll take it. Everything I've heard about this guy is clubhouse-wise, just an absolute grind. It gets after it, so on and so forth. And, man, he can play 
Mitch Garver, I, watched, I love watching him in the playoffs. Luke Rayleigh, love watching him too. Strikes out a little bit, but you give up some of these strikeouts. I love Gino, but hey, look, give up some of those the, the, the strikeouts that we saw, slide them down the bottom of the lineup, and then you have you know, Julio, Polanco, Mitch Garver, Cal Rowley in the middle there that, man, that's a really good 2, 3, 4, 5, but going back to it, if healthy, and this is not something where – Look, slide into a base. This is like hamstrings. This is obliques. You know, things like that. You're just like, oh, man, is this going to be just a constant? In May, we're missing one or two. In June, we're going to miss one or two. So there's so many question marks, but the way it's built on paper, a huge upgrade offensively from last year. I feel like if I bring this up, this will be sort of us justifying, you know, okay, it's better this year than, you know, when it was Frazier, Winker, Lestella, Wong, whatever. But Polanco, the one thing I heard about him, Ryan, was that, that he's a warrior and he'll he'll fight through things. So he's not one of those guys that's going to, you know, because of a fingernail or something like that, not be able to play. And then Hanniger, it just seems like it's bad luck. Is that me? Yeah. Just yeah. justifying, you know, that we, we had a good year in the offseason or am I making excuses? Well, I think Mitch and, you know, look, I'm comfortable saying this to him. It's like, man, like, can you just can you just give a good rock solid six months you know, without these injuries, whether it's bad luck or not. But then you go on his Instagram and he's like rock climbing with like, you know, a a, um, a, a, a piece of concrete on his feet or something saying this is really good for my pelvis or whatever it may be. I don't know. I'm like, what are you doing? You know, <laughs> but I, I get, doesn't hurt himself. Well, I'm trying to visualize this. <laughs> <laughs> just some random, if you follow him on, on, on the old Instagram. He's got cement like, shoes. Yeah, it's like Mitch. Like, climbing rocks. I love what you're doing. And I remember like, I remember texting him saying, hey man, like I know you're doing this for you, whatever. He's like, oh yeah, check this out. And he'll send me some link of something. I'm like, Wow, this is like next level, you know? And I'm like, dude, but you're pulling an oblique. Let's go. But I, I think that just back to just back to Polanco. Um, you know, like I said, I, I, I again, I've asked people who have zero reason because they've already given up on him, right? In the Twins organization, zero reason to hype up or sell tickets or anything like that. And so, you know, some you know, as you guys know, you ask someone from the Mariners, you're going to hear nothing but just all the warm and fuzzies about this guy as a person and what he works through. But just from the, the you know, for example, Alex Hassan, the head of player development, he just was... Yeah, he said to me, he goes, hey, man, that was a tough one, but we had had no choice. We had, you know, we we really had no choice. We just couldn't afford him. You know, the Twins are in a, in a situation like they are. And you hear stuff like that, you're like, okay. And then you start talking about, you know, Dave, some of the things you mentioned, like, all right, okay. I love to hear that as opposed to, and look, we've had players in, you know, in every sport, and, and I've had teammates that you mentioned, like, oh, there's a fingernail, there's a blister here or whatever it may be. It's like, oh, shut it down for two weeks. I don't see that happening with, with Polanco. But Again, I, I, it, it was a big, but, uh, a big um, plus to see that. The other part of this too, and just talking about some of these moves, all of a sudden now that we're in January and February, you're starting to see some urgency about 2024 as opposed to, oh, we want controllable players. We don't want to invest in someone in X amount of years. We want to make sure that you know have longevity but, uh, of this roster and everything. all these words that you just don't want to hear. No, no, no. Give up some of these prospects. Let's go. Let's get some, get some guys in this lineup that can make a difference now. And I think the Mariners have done that. And then you look down and, and you're looking at your entire rotation is still intact. It's awesome. 
What What are your feelings about the platoon situation? It feels like you you got a platoon situation at third with Arias and 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 I guess Josh Rojas would be the other guy there, uh, and then your corner outfield spots are gonna it looks like gonna be platoon situations, and and luckily you know Polanco eliminates the platoon situation that was gonna happen at second base. So you had four spots that you were looking at as possible platoon situations. Now it looks like three. How do you feel? About, I, I had this debate with Shannon where she's like, well, who cares if it's two guys that amount to those numbers? Then I don't care if it's two guys or one guy. I'm like, well, it's kind of like the saying in the NFL. If you got the, we got three quarterbacks, which means you don't have one. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. I think you, you look at it this way, too. Who, if, if you are in a situation where in the past, and, and this is what you've got to look at, too. If you're bringing a, a, you know, someone who you are going to have platoon, look at their numbers when they play every day and look at their numbers when they're playing 50% of the time. Some guys just they cannot split the, the, um, the workload because they just get out of rhythm. If it's a situation where they're only facing lefties, you know, they're, they're, they're getting in there and they're a right-handed hitter and they're only facing lefties, for example. And the other part of that is too, then it's a situation where they're not super happy with their role of what they're doing. I think the Mariners, in regards to you know, platooning and having the four outfielders or maybe even a fifth where, you know, we've seen that the last couple of years and, and, you know, like Shannon says, well, who cares if they put up numbers and what have you. You just don't want a situation where you're a an established major league player. This goes with any position and I've, you know, week two of spring training when all the, oh, yeah, it's great to be here and, you know, I'll do what I can. I'm going to give 110% for my team and every cliche answer in that first week when they meet the new media members. When you get to week two and week three, when they start looking around going, oh, I see how it's going to be here. I'm only playing against lefties. Or I see how it's going to be here. I'm only going to, man, I'm only going to get half the at-bats. All of a sudden, man, you can start, it, it's, it creates a little bit of that, that um you know, it affects that chemistry in the clubhouse as well. So I think that you can, you can, as a front office, you can sit there all day and say, oh, yeah, look, we can platoon this and that, and this will work out great or whatever it may be. But, man, you've got to have the personnel guys who are willing to do that. And on, on the flip side, too, some players, man, when they're looking at 250, 300 at-bats, they can put up numbers. You put them in there every single day, what happens? They start to, to fade a little bit because pitchers start figuring them out. So... I think when when you when you take a deep dive into who can do what with the workload, who suits that, where they don't face lefties, or who suits that when they're only playing half the time, injury wise or whatever it may be, uh, I think you really got to like to, to take into account some of those things as well. Well, Ryan, also, it looks like this is going to be an offseason uh, where they don't do something we were sort of dreading, and that's trading away their rotation. You know, we were talking about George Kirby and that they would have to go that route. And uh, I don't know if now or until, it, you know, the season starts, but what, what do you think? Do you think that they're, they're going to do that, or do you think we're, we're secure with, uh, you know, keeping the rotation that they have going right now? I, I, I think at this stage... And I, I think I say this, I think I've, I've filled in and said this. I think actually Shannon and I uh, got into a little bit of an argument with this. I still think they need to add. If they can spend, if they got a little bit of money to, to spend, and I haven't looked to see who's still available, but one of these guys with a one-year deal, if you can still add a pitcher, and, the, and you probably think I'm crazy. I've said this every winter. Because what happens is you fall into this place where it's May or June and you're looking at having to bring up some pitcher and fill a, fill a gap and then they have to get DFA'd again or whatever and you have to you know, put the pieces together. And, man, it's a, it, it just messes everything up. I would love to see him still add because here's the other thing too. I love Bryce Miller, Brian Wu. Man, they're studs. We still haven't seen them 
as good as this rotation can be on paper, we still haven't seen either of them go six months of workload. It is hard, man. April all the way through to September when you're a young pitcher. And I don't know what they've done this winter. I'm, I'm excited. I mean, look, look, look and see how they look uh, once you guys get down there and you, you bug everyone for interviews out, outside the <laughs> weight room there, like I've seen you have. Um, <laughs> Bugging? What are you talking about? Like I've seen you have. Bugging people. Everyone's like, I don't want to talk to these guys. No. Uh, but, but hey, I'm telling you, by week th- what, what week do you guys get down there, by the way? Sorry, I'm going off off The party. 11th of March. Oh, man, that's that time where... You know, guys start getting just they start getting sick of having to hang around at spring training. You guys are the late show. <laughs> you're saying we're gonna have a great week guest wise, is what you're saying, huh? No, I'm kidding. No, no, I'm just I'm obviously messing around. But I, but again, just look, look and see what Brian Wu looks like. Has he developed that changeup? I've said this a thousand times. He can pitch off that fastball. I get it. He needs that weapon against lefties. We saw that with George Kirby, middle of the year. Bryce Miller, what has he done this winter to sustain uh, you know, some of that workload? It changes, man, when you're in the big leagues. And then the next step, can you go six straight months? So I still think, man, I'd still like to add just a little bit um, to this rotation and, and, and see if you can – because there will be that gap at some point. But the fact that, Dave, just back to your question, will they give up one of these players? Man, it better be significant uh, if they're going to give up one of these rotation pieces at this point in the in the offseason. Well, one of, one of the stories out there came courtesy of uh, Bob Nightingale from USA Today, and he was talking about either Miller or Wu being involved in a package that would bring back Dylan Cease, which – Right. Okay, you're you're losing somebody out of your rotation. You're adding certainly experience and a proven commodity and cease into your rotation. Now to this point, that has not happened. Uh, but w- what do you think about something along those lines, where you're not you're not getting that extra arm because in his scenario you're giving up one? Yeah, I think that look, <laughs> Dylan Cease. Uh, I mean, this guy was what close to winning the Cy Young a couple years ago, mm-hmm. and I go back to. The, the the team he was on last year. I know I'm I know I feel like I'm dogging on the Chicago White Sox, but well they weren't you know, good. They weren't good. <laughs> oh, it was it was it was a mess. Yeah. It, it was a, when I was in Chicago last year. I was like, wow, look at this man. I mean, this is a tough place to play. And you know he he scuffed a little bit last year and hasn't been the same. You know from from the last couple of years. So you're looking at that going, okay, is that value low enough where? Man, you, you, okay, if you have to give up, let's say a Brian Will, Bryce Miller, or one of those. And and that's you know really it. And then a guy like you know Dylan Cease comes into a really good environment. I mean the guy had a two seven back in you know twenty twenty two and the White Sox were half decent. And then all of a sudden last year he had like a four and a half I think ERA. So you know <clears throat> again <clears throat> if it was a situation where you could get you know a Dylan Cease and you give up something maybe add something on because the value is a little bit lower on on the Cease side of things. Um, where you can bring in something else as well. I don't know, but it, it, it's it's a tough one. And and a lot of people say, well, you know, look, Brian Wu and Bryce Miller are so good. It's like your yeah, same same argument with the uh, Baroa and uh, yeah, and the um, what's his name, uh, Santos argument. Mm-hmm. The, the difference is, again, Dylan Cease. We've seen year after year here for a good stretch. He's good to go when he when he's obviously when he's a healthy and b on on, on his game. Six straight months. We still haven't seen that from uh, Bryce Miller, Brian Wu. So you know. Yeah. Speaking of those two, uh, Miller and Wu, if you were to give up one of them, which one would you be more comfortable oh, giving up? Man, that's tough. That is a, uh, that's tough because I'm going to ask both these guys to 
hang out and talk to me in an interview wise, man. I don't want to be... And I know they're sitting at home right now with headphones on working out, listening to this very interview as we're doing a late afternoon workout wherever they live. In as the entire Texas. team does every day, sure. They do, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. They, or, or they heard that I'm coming on. They must have looked on social if it even is on social. And they're exactly like, oh, right. listen to this. <laughs> no chance. Uh, man, okay. Man, I'm not going to flip a coin here. I would say... I'd be more comfortable giving up Bryce Miller. How about that? Love the dude. Parents are super cool. I met the parents in Houston, and they were really, really nice, and then I saw him again in Seattle. So I feel really bad saying that, but he's a stud. He's good. Is he's it, a really good player. Teams want him. Is <laughs> it just stuff-wise? You just think there's more upside with Wu? Ultimately? I just think, yeah, I just think like the when you look at him from a scouting point of view, frame-wise, that low three-quarter arm slot, how he started to figure out where to throw that fastball. The and I'm not going to get you know geek out here on on um, some of the metrics and anything like that, but the approach angle he he started to figure out with that fastball, it's a weapon. Man, if he comes into spring training with a changeup, oh man, he, he, and, he, and he's comfortable and he's confident with it in big in big spots, you're not going to see three or four lefties in a lineup, man. It's going it's to be a lot tougher to match up against him, in my opinion. He is Ryan Roland Smith. Get used to it. You're going to hear that voice throughout the baseball season. We can't wait for the weekly appearances, my friend. Welcome back to the States. Glad the jet lag is, uh, is behind you. Happy belated birthday and great to hear your voice. Uh, so good to talk to you guys. And I'm not lying when I say this. 3 p.m. on Mondays, if that's still the time, if I'm, if, <laughs> if, unless it's midnight, they're going to play it. But, uh, hey, it's my favorite time of, week, time of the week. So I'm looking forward to the season, guys. There you go, Ryan Roland-Smith. Good to talk to him again. Meanwhile, the Pro Bowl wasn't the only thing happening in the NFL this weekend. We'll catch you up on everything. Coming up with Wyman and Bob, this is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Through the Alaska Airlines Studio on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Our thanks once again to Ryan Roland Smith, who joined us in the previous segment. In case you missed that conversation, it will be available on the podcast page after the show at seattlesports.com. Meanwhile, some things happening around the NFL, Dave. Uh, I know you've been uh, searching feverishly for these uh, actual quotes from Steve Wilkes yeah. that I think you just made up. I think I don't think they exist at all. But uh, 49ers defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes talking about a couple of moments in their game against the Lions that he termed unacceptable. Maybe I drank out of the wrong glass or something. I've heard that's happened. Yeah. Um, but no, I did see him, uh, and you know, basically what he was talking about was a couple of plays. And so he said, collectively as a team, I can tell you as a defense, it's unacceptable. Uh, we talked about that. I wish I could tell these guys on play four and play 27, this is what's going to happen. You just don't know. So basically I went and watched play four and play 27 and you know what it looked like, Bob, it looked like our defense the last five years basically. And it's just something that's totally unacceptable for them. But especially there was a 15-yard uh, touchdown by Jameer Gibbs that you saw Chase Young. He was jogging. Yeah. I mean, it was bad. It was really bad. And then, you know, you just saw other guys not given full effort. The other play, uh, play number four, was, um, was a really uh, I was like a 42-yard run by Jameson Williams, who was the receiver. It was some kind of a reverse. Same thing, and, you know. And the thing is, some guys were running pretty hard, but for the most part, when you go back and you know put the the film on, you can go, "Hey, are you running as hard as you possibly can?" And probably half the team would have said no. Even Bosa kind of loafed it a little bit. So that's just something I expect to be fixed next year because. 
the the one play where um, you know they have the 15 yard run that they give up to Gibbs. Mm-hmm. I mean, you that looks a lot like that Pittsburgh game. You know where there was all the missed tackles. I, even Dre Greenlaw misses a tackle. But yeah. you know you just see that guys are not flying around like they typically do. And you know that was that was something that was just intriguing to me because he said play this, play this. I went and looked it up, and sure enough, you can see that. But I'm sorry, it did it did look a lot like the way we were playing over the well, last few years. And I love Kyle Shanahan's remark on it. His quote: "They were expecting someone else to make a tackle." Whenever you're expecting someone else to make the tackle, bad things happen. That's exactly right. So they're just standing there watching, thinking, ah, oh, this guy's got it. He'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, how about this one? I love that that Matt wrote here. That Pretty sure Dave sent this story so he could talk about grass and proper lawn maintenance. <laughs> and it's one we threw in the snapshot, but the 49ers are complaining about the uh, their practice field out there. Um, they, now, it says the NFL hardness score for fields averages 78, with no field being less than 70. Not entirely sure what that means, but okay, that's well, the score. Mine's, mine's an 80 rating in my <laughs> yeah. house. So you got a really hard yeah. lawn out there. Uh, this field is considered to be in the 50s, according to Adam Schefter, which is pretty amazing that you've got your Super Bowl teams practicing on something that would be substandard. Yeah, well, and the Chiefs are practicing. So the Niners are practicing at UNLV, and then the Chiefs are practicing at uh, the Vegas uh, Raiders training facility. It's always weird to me when that's the the most basic part of it is you have to have a field and you have to have grass or you know whatever kind of turf you're putting out there, and it needs to be in you know perfect. You would think the super it's the Super Bowl. Yeah, I don't care. It's a practice facility, but. You can't get that part right because last year the same thing happened. Remember the they overwatered it and it was like rotten. Oh, that's right. Remember they they were talking about the smell. They and, had the the old school groundskeeper. Who was that? Yeah, he came out. He was like ripping the current groundskeeper. Yeah. It's like <laughs> these damn kids don't know what they're doing. Yeah, like he couldn't tell that guy anything. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it, it, once again, I mean their their practice facility. It just it's just weird to me that they can't get that right. So yeah, I, it, that just stood out to me because I I feel like if we sent the Mariners grounds crew or the Seahawks grounds crew, they would have gotten it done. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, one other story here, which is sad. Uh, Patrick Mahomes Sr. was arrested Saturday night in Texas on suspicion of driving while intoxicated just eight days before his son is in the Super Bowl. This is his third offense, which indicates a problem, Dave, It's uh, which is sad. Luckily, it doesn't sound like anybody got hurt, but for him to do it three times and this to be a story the week his son's getting prepped for the Super Bowl is, is really a bummer on all kinds of levels. I can't. Imagine how embarrassed I would be, especially the third one. Like after the first one, you got to go, man, I got to make some changes. I mean, serious changes. You could kill somebody and you'd be in you'd be in prison. So, I mean, uh, three times that that's just brutal. And I can't imagine how embarrassed I would be as if my son was on the national stage. And then here I am behind the scenes. It's just, it's yeah. just awful. And then you throw in his brother, who apparently is universally hated. I still wouldn't know his brother if I saw him, but everybody seems to hate the guy. Mm. So, um, yeah, he's an influencer, I guess, on, on TikTok or whatever. And oh boy. yeah, he's he draws a lot of attention to himself for all the wrong reasons. He was up on a sexual assault charge recently. Oh, so wonderful. Maybe maybe yeah. the the good part of this is that. Patrick is used to dealing with this sort of distraction, so maybe it's Jeez. not a distraction to him this week as much as we look at it that way. So sad news about his dad. Just, I mean, luckily, again, nobody got hurt, 
but not a good story. What a mess. Yeah. All right, coming up, are we entering the Nepo baby age of football in Seattle? Talk about that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Coming up at 4 o'clock, we'll get some thoughts on the Husky season. Some thoughts on Michael Penix out there at the Senior Bowl as well from Christian Capel, our Huskies insider. He joins us at 4 o'clock here with Wyman and Bob. Seattle Sports on 710. Dave, what's your what's your opinion on Nepo Babies? Well, first of all, Bob, I believe that it's pronounced Nepo Babies. Um, yeah, the Dave came the... into the sports pit when I put this on the show sheet and said, you know what? I looked up what Nepo Baby means. <laughs> if I would have said it the right way, you would have been disappointed. Did so you feel disappointed. like you were saying it the right way? Sure. Oh, yeah. I'm going right in with it, Bob. <laughs> Nepo babies. Nepo babies. Have you heard Gosh. this phase before or phrase? I have heard Nepo, it, yeah. Nepo yeah. babies. Yeah. Well, it's it's because uh, as we were looking, the, the story out there is the Seahawks are expected to hire Jay Harbaugh, who was the son of Jim Harbaugh, is their special teams coordinator. Um, he's 34 years old. He's he's held that role at the University of Michigan under his father, Jim Harbaugh, for the past five seasons. Uh, and this comes on uh, the same weekend as Steve Belichick, son of former Patriots head coach, Bill Belichick, being hired as the University of Washington's new defensive coordinator, according to ESPN. So how about that? His, Steve spent past 12 years as the defensive assistant in New England, including five as the defensive play caller. Is he the one you've been making fun of with the tongue? I assume, unless he's got another son I'm not aware of. I think he has two, but the one, the mullet guy. The mullet and the tongue, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mullet tongue. Mullet tongue. He's got got a couple things working against him as far as I can see. But uh, hopefully he's a great defensive coordinator. Uh, And then he's joining Brennan Carroll, son of Pete Carroll, who is now UW's offensive coordinator and offensive line coach. Um, we, you know, he's, he's got all, he's all, he's got a ton of Nepo baby examples here (laughs) Yeah, going back to my day. Yeah. 49ers head coach, Kyle Shanahan, son of uh, Mike Shanahan. Dave, please go on a tangent about your old coach here. Uh, (laughs) Come on. I love laying tracks for Dave Uh, when I do the show sheet because I know like, Hey, maybe you don't want to talk about Nepo babies the whole time, but Dave's going to have a story about this guy. Kyle Shanahan or Mike Shanahan? Mike Shanahan. I just like that he gives you instructions, Dave. Please go on a tangent about your old coach here. Well, the only beef I had, I told the story last week that I I needed surgery and there was no real reason for me to to play in the game. And uh, but Mike Shanahan really, really wanted to beat the Raiders and knock him out of the out of the playoffs. So. You know, the doctor standing there was like, he needs surgery. And Mike's standing there going, we really need you to play. I'm like, all right, I'll play. One of the last plays of the game, I uh, I knocked a ball out of James Jett's hand. We mm-hmm. pick it up, go down, score the winning field goal. and You were properly rewarded we, with a brand new contract. No, I was not. So, yeah, but <laughs> we, we went down, kicked a field goal, knocked him out of the playoffs. They were not – we were huge underdogs. So – like it was, it really stuck it to the Raiders, and Mike hated the Raiders because they stiffed him, like mm. two hundred and fifty grand or something like that. Did Mike you get Shanahan. a game ball? Uh, I don't think so. It was last game of the you know of the year, and so everybody kind of. The other thing I didn't get is my beaver pot. We had a, a pot that we would all put a hundred bucks into. Was that the puppet? That was thing? the puppet thing. Whoever got the first turnover, and I forced a turnover, and somebody said. 
Yeah, I, I was running behind James Jett. There's no way you could catch him. Well, it was one of those situations where he's running a crosser and he didn't see me, and I yeah. knocked it out because I couldn't run with him. But, uh, yeah, so Mike Shanahan, um, yeah, I thought he, maybe he could have offered me a contract. Still a little bitter about it. So you weren't invited back the next year? I wasn't. I was hmm. not. But you know what? There was uh, – who was our ball boy was a Nepo baby <laughs> in – Kyle Shanahan. Nepo, baby. <laughs> but yeah, Shanahan, we were just Nepo. talking about that with uh, with Gary Kubiak and how he was, that's how he got his start there. And by the way, we forgot to ask or include that Kubiak coached the Broncos for two years, I think, two or three. Yeah. One of them was a Super Bowl winning uh, game over Carolina. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, and his son has. Uh, I'm sorry, he has two sons that are, are coaching. One of them, I think it's Klein Kubiak, just got... Yeah, he had two kids he got hired. with the first letter K in their yeah. names, right? Yeah, it's like Clint. I think it's Clint that got hired as the OC of the uh, New Orleans Saints. But it's not surprising, you know, that you have you have uh, these families that, you know, like look at the McCaffrey family. I mean... Ed's been a coach. Ed played with me and and at both at Stanford and um, with the the Broncos. And he's got a, a his last son is actually was at the Senior Bowl, mm. Luke McCaffrey. And so I think that's what it'll be three out of the four if he gets a shot playing uh, in the NFL. He's got four sons, but I mean that's it's not unusual. Like so for for John Schneider. His son Jack is he's going to Boise State as a student, but he's helping out with the football program and he's helping out with recruiting and stuff like that. So it's just the family business, right? I mean, you just kind of get into and you see lots of, uh, you know, we saw another Harbaugh pop up today who possibly is going to be not official, Jay. but he's going to be the, the special team coach. Yeah, Jay Harbaugh. The so the, the Nepo baby... <laughs> Fad is is well well uh, underway. Six two six says I was waiting to see Wyman's expression on Nepo baby. Well, if you were watching on the stream, you saw it. <laughs> I gotta say, going to break, it was I could see it. Dave's eye, eye roll, and I was just so happy. That was the exact expression I was hoping for when I put this on the show sheet. He had a look of. Are you serious? <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> Every time I produce, I try to have the host do one ridiculous segment <laughs> that I know one of them is going to hate. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. So glad that I could. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, by the way, aren't you in the radio business? Aren't you a bit of a, a Nepo baby? I mean, here's Nepo. the thing. I've gotten this question before. Your dad. My fishing. dad hosts the outdoor line on the weekends. He does. I think the thing that differentiates me from a coach in a professional football organization is that their jobs are desirable. Whereas this job, oh, wow. you don't want this job. You think you want this job? Nobody's Brady, desiring this job. Brady, is that right? Nobody envies Matt. No comment. No comment. I no. get up at 6 a.m. No, I get up at 5 a.m. every Oof. Saturday to be ready for a 6 a.m. show. Oh. No one else would do that. He, his show only continues because I have loyalty to my father. I mean, no, no one else wants to get up that early it, on. And Saturday. your love of fishing talk too. Yeah, my, yeah. my yeah. love of it. That's, well, that's you're a good Nepo baby. You really are, <laughs> Nepo baby. You uh, know what? They're Nepo babies. I'm a Nepo baby. <laughs> a Nepo baby is someone that gets a good job. A Nepo baby is someone with my job. <laughs> one that nobody envies. Yeah. Uh, somebody two oh six says, Dave just mentioned geometry when trying to explain how angles of pursuit work. What, what? Talking about James Jett, how you had an angle and yeah, said just mention geometry. Oh, I guess okay. that'll 
I'll do that next time I tell that story. Yeah, all right. There you go. Nepo babies. I love it. All right. Time to get all caught up on a very busy offseason for the University of Washington. Our Huskies insider Christian Capel will join us next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710.